Scripture today comes from Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 through 12. Brian's got me reading a novel this morning. Bear with me. Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings of Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away, to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receive the blessings of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end, so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Amen. God bless his word this morning. Uh, just wanted to thank the worship team. That was phenomenal, especially during the offering. That was Thank you guys for working so hard on doing the music and playing the piano and the organ and leading us in worship. That was absolutely phenomenal. It just gives me goosebumps. I still don't understand the songs, but those songs work with the sermon this morning, and those words, you know, they speak to the heart, the heart of a believer. So that was really awesome. Uh, two announcements. One is I may have gotten myself in a pickle for next week. Next week is Father's Day, and that's what we're going to be celebrating. It's also going to be Communion Sunday. That's also what we're going to be celebrating. And it's also Mission Sunday in terms of heifer. That's also what we're going to be celebrating. So I think I've got it worked out, but pray for me this week to try to bring all three together and, 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 and make that happen. Uh, but also, I want to announce, July 16th is the picnic out at Lock and Grin. So, and that service starts at 10.30, is that correct? Service starts at 10.30? Would that be right? All right. Well, on that Sunday, I'm going to be baptizing Bryce out in the lake. So... You know, uh, we're both nervous about it, but I, I and I truthfully, I don't know if I had to ask a board member or anybody about it, I, cause, but I'm doing it, so if you disapprove, that's too late. So we're going to be having a baptism first, pray over him, and then we'll have the... And pray the water ain't cold. All right. Marty McFly, in the movie Back to the Future, accidentally got into his 
wild doctor's time machine car, Dr. Brown. And through some unfortunate circumstances, I guess, he got whisked back in time to see his mom and dad before they were married and growing up as teenagers. And I'm sure that had to be kind of a joy for him to see how life was back then. Simpler times, simpler manners to see his mom and dad in, in their young age. And Marty McFly, while he's back there, he, he did a lot of good things. One of the things he did was he uh, showed the kids how to dance in a new way to some certain kind of rock music. I believe it was uh, Barry. And he played that guitar and he strung that thing and all the parents were like, oh my gosh, what devil has come back in time? But he showed the kids a new way to worse, uh, sing and, and dance and all that kind of stuff, so to speak. But while he was back there, he also tried to fix some things, you know. He thought he was going to help his mom and dad out uh, in their future marriage to try to get things right. And every time he tried to fix something, he messed up the continuum. When he fixed one thing, another problem would come along. He fixed another thing, another problem would come along. And I think that's why you have about seven different versions of the movie Back to the Future because somebody's fighting somebody to get things right. Well, in the end, he got to go back home. But while he was back there, he did mess a lot of things up and do things kind of crazy. And that's kind of the theme of the movie, Back to the Future, how you can go back in time, and in that time you can find peace, and you can find some comfort, and some things that make you tingle on the inside that you want to remember about your past. And there's things in the past when you go back that you want to change, that you say, if I had to do this again, I wouldn't do it, and you want to move out of that realm. And you want to get out of there. And you want to fix whatever you think was broken. But what if the theme of Back to the Future happened in his present life? What is it whisking him back? But what if it was the circumstances that he faced that caused him to go back in time, to go back to the future? You see, Marty McFly struggled. You notice in the movie, if you watched it, he was bullied. Pushed around. He was always on the run, man. I got to get away from these guys. They're just driving me crazy. And nobody wants to be bullied. Nobody wants to be made fun of. Nobody wants to be always isolated by themselves. They want to be part of society, so to speak. And they want to get out there and do things. Well, maybe he just wanted to get away from that. Maybe he was tired of seeing his mom and dad always humiliated. He was tired of his dad hurting. His dad, in, Mar in his mind, was kind of... He just wasn't there, so to speak. Let's just put it that way. He was, he was kind of wimpy to him, and he didn't like to see his family getting messed up or his mom being done wrong, and he was just tired of the way things were happening. And ultimately, he wanted to get rid of old Biff. Biff the bully. Now, you guys remember Biff, don't you? Whooped his dad all the time, had his dad in such bondage he couldn't get out of it, kind of liked his mom, and he didn't like that. And, of course, Biff's sons and family... They're harassing the kid. And so maybe all this pressure and this persecution, he says, I ain't going to go back in time and I'm going to fix it. I'm going to make my dad strong. I'm going to make my mom strong. And I'm going to make Biff the wimp. And as the movie progresses, he does this. But he goes back there because he cannot stand the present. In our scripture this morning, this is exactly what Hebrews 6 is talking about. He's writing to Jewish believers who can't take any more. They say we're done. We're out. 
I don't want to live like this. I need to go back into an old way of life. I need to go back to the law and these commandments. Somehow if I go back to the law and commandments, everything will be all right. I can fix whatever's wrong here in my present. Biff being the persecution. And to go back into the law and to the commandments to say, I can have a peace of God. I can still say that I know God and I love God if I keep these old ways of life. But I can also have a peace of serenity. I can be calm. Things can happen. I don't have to follow this Jesus. I can go back. And I can keep these laws and these commandments and everything will be all right. Then there's other people who didn't want to do that. So Paul's asking them a question, why? Why do you want to go back to the future in time? Why do you want to go back here and live there? He says, if you go back, only bad things are going to happen to you. It ain't good for you to go back. If you go back, you can never repent. There's no other sacrifice can be made but the Lord Jesus Christ. Who are you going to rely on if you do go back and you need some help? Where will you go and where will you turn? He says, but how can you go back? He says, you've tasted and saw that the Lord is good. You've got his spirit in your life. You've had a changed life. You witnessed the word of God touching you and changing you. All these things have happened in your life that's made you what you are. How could you possibly want to go back? God does not want you to go back. He wants you to grow. He wants you to move forward in your faith. Move forward in your commitment to him. And he explains it's kind of like the parable of Jesus when the seed is sown. He said the earth, he spills it down the rain. And it grows and it moves. And then God blesses that what's sown. And God grows that up. And the people come and feast off that. But then he says those that are stoned in thorns and thistles and stuff. They're burned up and they're cast away. They're done away with. But I want you to know the seed grows whether it's on good ground or bad ground. It's going to move and it's going to grow. But one is going to glorify God and honor him and lift him up. And the other kind of seed is going to crumble and fall around from the circumstances. And he says it's going to be burned up. Then he says, now he's laying it on hard now. He says, I've, I've heard better things of you, though, church. Saying this to the, to, the, to the people, the Hebrews. He's saying, you have ministered to the saints. You have done the work that's required to be done. God is with you and God has touched you. There's no reason to go back to the past. There's no reason to give up on Christ. Because you've done what he's asked you to do. You've worked hard and done what he's asked you to do. And you need to move forward in your faith. He says, don't stand between two things. Either die and go away or grow in your faith and serve the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he says, not only do I want you to grow and serve him and follow him because you've already done the work. But then he says, I want you to look around you. Look at all those who's went before. Look at their faith and look at their lives and see how they've grown in Christ and how they served and followed Christ. Then he says something that's troubling to me. He says, let's do away, not do away, but let's not go back to these foundation doctrines, these foundation belief systems. And he lists six of them, and they're grouped in twos, of things that Paul says is foundational to the faith of every Christian. And I'm like, well, 
If these are foundational, I'm in deep trouble because I still don't understand salvation, baptisms, and all these things that he talks about. The end times, I don't understand it. And you're saying I don't know the foundations? Did I pay $100,000 for an education to not know nothing? Apparently, because I still don't understand these foundations. But he says, don't lay these things down again. We are to grow and we are to move forward in our faith in him. I want you to know something about these doctrines that he's going to lay out. The doctrines are by most people. It's not a Christian perspective, so to speak. Every religion, every faith group has some kind of belief system. They believe in repenting and turning from their ways. They believe maybe in karma. It's going to come back to you, whatever you do. All right? They believe in some kind of washing themselves to be clean. Some of them believe in, in the end time and the resurrection. So these things are not uh, just out there for Christianity. But Christ Jesus makes them distinct. And so he says to them, if you were to give up on these things and say they're no good to you and to go back to your life, what are you going to do? Why do I have to keep laying the same foundation over and over and over again? You need to grow. But then he says the other group of people who would have been the Gentiles in the church, he says if they go back to their old gods and their old way, they'll never come to Christ because they want nothing to do with God. They don't want to walk in the middle like you guys want to walk in the middle. They just turn totally away from him and therefore they won't repent. In practical experience, how many people do you know that were once firm followers of the Lord Jesus Christ who one day said, there's no God, there's no Jesus, and they just walked right away from the faith. And there's nothing you can say, nothing you can do to convince them otherwise. They've just walked out. But then there's those believers who want to walk that middle line. To say, I want a piece of me, I want a piece of God, and I want a little piece of Jesus. And Paul says, it ain't happening. You're going to die if you live your life that way. We have to grow. So what are these things that he says are foundational? He says, the first of all is repentance from dead works and faith toward God. Two grouped together. We must repent and we must turn away from our old way of life. Not doing the things we've done before. That has to be dead and gone. We cannot live in the middle. We have to say, you're my Lord, you're my King, and everything that I am and all that I am belongs to you and you alone. That will ultimately lead in faith toward God because you're putting your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your Lord, he's your God, and he's your king. And he says, why do I have to keep telling you this? Why do I have to keep laying it down to you? Grow in your faith. Then he says, doctrines of baptism and laying on of hands. Take your pick. You had the Old Testament way. Remember we talked about when they came to the temple, they washed their hands in the water. We would call it sanctification today to be made clean before they made sacrifice. What about the baptism of John? And then Jesus goes to John to be baptized. And Jesus has a baptism. What about the baptism of the Holy Spirit in our lives? These are all things he says are just down there. These are basic doctrines. He said don't get caught up on that. And then the laying on of hands. Remember in Acts they laid their hands on them. And they received the Holy Spirit. We've been baptized 
in Jesus Christ. He's touched our hearts. He's changed our lives. We've been baptized in the water. We've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. He lives and rules and reigns in us. Why do we want to walk a double life? He says, set that aside. We need to move on from that. Of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. Seeing the Lord Jesus Christ rise from the dead. They watched him go and the angel says, he's gone into heaven. And one day he's coming back for you. But before he comes back, you're to live your life that's pleasing to him and honoring to him and glorifying him. Because one day, every person will stand in front of the judgment seat of Christ. We will be judged according to the deeds done in our bodies. Can you believe this dude says these are basic Christian teachings? That dude had to be one good pastor to teach them all that stuff in a few years. To get a handle on that. Then he says, I wanted to teach you better doctrine or more deeper doctrine. What could be deeper than salvation, sanctification, being filled with the Holy Spirit? Is there a rapture? Is there not a rapture? Is there the God has revealed himself as only one way? How did he create the heavens and the earth? What could be greater than that? And he tells him in Hebrews chapter 5. He said, I wanted to tell you about this deeper doctrine, but he says you're dull of hearing. You don't want to hear what I'm about to say. And you know where he takes them back to the future? He takes them back to faith. And he tells them about a guy named Melchizedek. You know who he was? The high priest. The high priest who appeared out of nowhere and Abraham gave tithe. He says, I want to tell you about this high priest who had no beginning and seemingly had no end. And I want to tell you how Christ fulfilled the very role of this high priest when he met Abraham. And all the rest of chapter 6 on, he establishes who Christ is based on the ministry of this Melchizedek. Jesus had no beginning or end. He came into the world. He fulfilled all the law. He fulfilled all the commandments. He was a tabernacle. He was a temple. He was a new covenant. All based on this Melchizedek being in the faith. He, God took him back to the future before the law, before the prophets, before the commandments. And says, I want to take you back to faith. And through faith, he worked it all out. And then he says, let me tell you how this faith worked in Hebrews chapter 10. Who did he start with? Abraham. The faith of Abraham. He believed God and God said that's righteousness to me because you believed me and you trusted me. Abraham's sons believed and trusted him. Abel made a better sacrifice than Cain. He believed and trusted God. All before the law, all before the commandments, God is moving because their faith in him and trust in him. He says, let me tell you about the children of Israel when they came to the mount. And I sent the two spies out. And the two spies says, we can take that land. We believe in God. Let me tell you what I did to Moses, he said, when Moses was put down in that little protection thing and walked all around and he came right to Pharaoh's house and that's where God was going to train him. He said, let me tell you about all the people in the Old Testament. David. And all these people who served, followed, and loved God. And they did it by faith, not by the law, not by the commandments, not by the old way of life. But they trusted in the King of kings and Lord of lords. 
And the Bible says that God moved on them and moved through them based on their faith. He truly took them back to the future to show them what he could do in their lives. And he keeps listening, people after people after people who put their faith and trust in God. But he also mentioned one or two times about those who turned their back. And he said, don't be like that. Don't live in the middle in your way of Christianity. Don't live in the middle in your trust in God. Don't do it. It only leads to devastation, hurt, and pain, and they lost presence of God. This is what he says he wanted to teach them in the book of Hebrews, but they didn't want to hear it, and they weren't ready for it because they wanted to stay where they were at in their own faith. In their own Christianity, they were happy and content. No church, I don't care who they are, no church will ever grow until Christ becomes Lord of their life. Now, there's tons of churches that got five, 700, 900 people in them. Good to go, brother. Those are mostly people coming from one church to another. Come and look what great things we got going on. Come and look at our programs. Look at this, look at that, and see what God is doing. Don't know if God's doing it or not. Thank he is. I hope he is. But when God gets into the heart of his people... And he changes their lives. And they say, I'm going to live for you and you alone. I'm no longer walking in the middle. I'm not worried about the persecution. I'm not worried about what they're going to say to me. I'm not worried about what anybody else is going to do. I'm going to follow and serve you alone. The heavens will break out. He will break out like a flood. I don't know those who began this church. Sugar Hill Congregation and Tom's Run don't know them from Adam. I don't know any of their family members. I would like to be able to see on a piece of paper what their vision was. What had drawn them to make such a sacrifice to the glory of God that they would do what they did? I don't know. I don't know what their vision or their dream was. But this I know based on all the newsletters I've read and all the newspaper articles. Here's what I know. Number one I know is they believed and trusted God to do what he was going to do with whatever they built. They would have had to because they tore down the building. They bought the material to build the new church. They sacrificed their time. They sacrificed their money. They sacrificed their heart. They sacrificed the land to say, God, do something in our lives for your glory. We give it all to you. We do know that. You are recipients of the goodness of God to that this morning. People have been saved in this church. People have been baptized in water in this church. People have been changed in this church. Not because of anything we've done. Because God through Christ was glorified. And a group of people said use us. And we will do whatever we need to do to glorify you. For to say to you use us the way you want to use us. We are recipients of that. We receive the blessing of that. But why would we want to stop? Why are we just want to stop and say Sunday mornings is okay? He wants more out of our lives. He wants to touch in us 
to move in us. That we would share the goodness of God with somebody else. That somebody else would be changed. Somebody else would seek Christ. Somebody else would follow Christ. We are trying to reach out to brethren who seem to be lost a little bit and they don't know where to turn. We've listed four things that we're going to maintain our principles. And I'm asking you to go with me on that. But we're also wanting to reach those in our families who don't know Jesus Christ, who've turned away from God. But if our hearts aren't open to him completely and saying, you're the Lord of my life, you're the king of my life, how can we ask them to come to him when they don't see it in us? Or we hold a grudge, or we're bitter, or we want to live in the past, or we let the past hold us down. Paul says you can't grow like that, and you can't move on. And you might get mad at me. We got to grow up, man. We have to grow up as believers in Christ. It's not okay just to go through the form and the functions. We have to ask him to touch our heart every Sunday morning, to put in our hearts and in our minds what we're going to play, how we're going to sing to his glory, to come expecting for him to do something in our lives. When we're teaching the children in Sunday school or children's church, God, touch our hearts, touch our minds, touch our children. Let our children grow up in the faith. Let them know you as Lord and Savior. And as you're already doing in children's church, because it's the bomb, teach them the grace of God, the mercy of God, and how to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm trying to do that in the youth group. With new beginnings, what it is to be a disciple, what it is to be a follower. Know your word, man. Grow in your word, man. Because you're going to go into a cold, nasty world when you go into college. And the devil's going to come at you with everything you believe. It's not okay just to be settled in our faith. If we don't grow in him and serve him and follow him, we will die. And all those who laid the foundation seeking the face of God and gave it all for him and his glory, it has now come to us, and what are we going to do with it? Let the soil grow in our hearts. Let it move in our minds and come expecting him to do something in us for his glory. Every service we come to, speak to my heart, Lord. I worship you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. For everything you've done in my life, you get the glory, Lord. Every time we get together, we do for his glory. No matter what kind of service we have, it's for him and him alone. Don't walk down the middle in your faith. Walk to him, serve him, and make him your Lord. I guarantee if you go back, you're going to just be like Marty McFly. You're going to mess everything up. Doc Brown can't fix it. His mom and dad can't fix it. The continuum can't fix it. There's only one person who can fix it, and it's the King of kings and Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He fixes it all. He done it in the past, did it in the present, and he'll do it in the future. I'm ready to go back to the future, the future of our faith, and the future of the faith to those who went before it to build this congregation. I'm hoping you'll go with me and let's go as the body of Christ and let Christ speak to our hearts. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you for the word of God. 
Paul says in the book of Hebrews, this word goes into our hearts and it cuts and it rips and it tears and it exposes who we are and what we really want to be. But it also heals our hearts, Lord. Because we do struggle, we do fight, we do love you, we do want to serve you, we do give to the church, we do work in the church, and sometimes it seems like it ain't working right. But going to the past won't fix it. Going to the old way of life won't fix it, Lord. You fix it and you show us in your word. You fix it and make it right, God. So my prayer this morning, Lord, if anybody's walking on that line today, that they're hurting today, that they're struggling today, that the past some way keeps them down and keeps them so depressed and so oppressed that they can't walk into the future. Lord God Almighty, through the blood of Jesus Christ, by the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray you touch their hearts this morning. Minister to them this morning. Watch over them this morning. Protect us this morning. And let us all get into this word of God. Let us grow in this word. Let us follow you. Let us serve you, Lord. And do the things you're asking us to do. And just like you blessed the forefathers in the Bible times. And you blessed our forefathers, Lord. You will bless us. And it's not because of us. But it's because of your goodness. And your mercy. And your grace that has come into our lives, Lord. And changed us and made us new. That we give out to others. Now God I give you the praise. I give you the glory. And I give you the honor. Because you are the king of kings. And you are the lord of lords. And this is your word. And your word be blessed. And let the seed fall on the good ground Lord. That we might grow in you. I ask in Jesus name. Amen.